Well, it's good to see all of you here. We've got a few minutes here before we get started, and I'm sure Elrod Sar will be here in a minute or two. Anybody want to talk about anything before we get started? Since we've got a few minutes. Okay, good. Uh, I have to go back in my mind here to where we were. Let's see here. Let me just back up here just a second. Um, I, Elder, Elder Ratsar yesterday talked about the spiritual connection and uh, that you actually lead through your own prayer life and your own devotional life. That's actually a, a method of leadership. And uh, so he talked quite a bit about that yesterday, which I thought was really wonderful. And um, he called it the triangle success for leadership, leadership by spirituality, leadership by love, that you can't really lead unless you really love people. Um, In fact, when I talked to the ministerial department, I asked them, I said, I want you to, here's what I want. I want you to bring me somebody, first of all, that loves the Lord with all their heart. Number two... I want you to bring me somebody that loves the message, the Adventist message. I want to make sure they really love the message. And number three, bring me somebody that really loves people in that order. Um, and I think that's basically what he was saying yesterday uh, in, uh, in that. So he called it uh, leadership by spirituality, leadership by love, and leadership by excellence, saying that, that if you're going to lead, you've got, you've got to produce, you've got to make things happen. And uh, so that kind of recaps that a little bit um, there. We talked about teachability yesterday, how it's important to keep growing. And and when we stop growing, then we really forfeit our future is really what we do. Okay, that's a few things there. By the way, they are going to get, um, they are running these off. We should have them hopefully today before we finish. The, uh, so you'll have all the slides that we have. You don't have all the comment, but you have the slides. Or if you want to, at the end of the program today, if you want to come and use a flash stick and bring it off, you're welcome to do that as well. All right, I've got another minute or two. Anybody else want to talk about something? Is it warm in here or is it just me? I guess it must be just me. All right. Anybody else have something you'd like to talk about? Areas of leadership. Maybe something we've covered, maybe something we haven't covered. All right, please. Any tips for dealing with difficult people? Yeah. Because you're always going to have some. And uh, the first tip is try to avoid getting those people. (laughs) Just uh, do some good referencing. Now you have to do that with some sanctified, because sometimes you have people that have agendas and they just have to destroy people that are good people. So be careful with that a little bit. But um, I'm, I'm really serious. I try to avoid getting people that are going to cause me problems. Why do I want to bring people around that want to cause problems, are going to cause problems? Are people that are super high maintenance? Um, what are people that are super high maintenance? That means that I'm going to spend a lot of time just and, and I can give you, and, and I, I can tell you this, that usually, not always, people that are super high maintenance are not necessarily really productive. And they, you know, they just need to be in a place where, you know, they, they just don't need you every minute. I want to be available. I, I give my phone number to all of our pastors. I say, you can call me anytime you want. And I really mean that. But probably if they're calling me, you know, every other day and I've got to be in their district every, every month and I, and I bring my fire hose, 
there's some growth there that needs to happen. That's tip number one. Try to stay out of it. Number two, once you're in it, once you're in it, you, you again, you practice the golden rule, but you've got to be very clear with people. And I always try to bring somebody besides myself. In other words, sit down. Look, I, I'll be up front with this. Look, I know you want to talk to me. And I'd like to talk to you. Uh, I've got the conference secretary. I'd like to have him vis visit with us. Do you have any problem with that? No, I don't have it. Or sometimes they'll say, well, yeah, i got a problem with that. But I wouldn't. Well, how about so and such and such? Okay, that would be okay. All right. That way, there's more than just my word and their word uh, in, in something. The other thing is that I really want to help people. I want to help them grow. And sometimes in helping people grow, um, you, you need to be candid, but you've got to be careful with being candid up to a point. Let me give you an example. When I first started, um, when, I, when I first became a ministerial director, and uh, I was, um, we were interviewing people. We interviewed somebody, and they, we didn't offer them a position. And that's a hard thing. I see so many people. I'd love to hire everybody sometimes, you know, just, but no, not everybody. But lots more than, than we can actually hire. Um, and so, but this person came back and said, you know, why didn't, why didn't I get that position? And so I thought I would really be magnanimous and I would just tell them. And so, because I thought it would help them in the future. So I said, well, let me share with you some, some things I think that would help. And I shared some things. I tell you, I heard about that for a year. They told their relatives, they told everybody in the world, and, and I'm having to hose that down. Instead of taking that as something to say, okay, I can grow from this. This person took it as a way of, uh, of being defensive and combative, uh, so to speak. So I learned real fast to say, okay, you know, I, I, this, I just can't tell everybody everything, uh, so to speak. But, I, but you need to be candid up to a point. Make sure that people can grow. You have to understand where you, if people really want to grow. And I'll tell you what, I've had some of the sweetest experiences where people said, you know, I just really need some help. And I've seen those people grow, and I'll, I'll bend over backwards. If i got somebody like that, I will bend over backwards, do everything I can uh, to coach them. Sometimes people need help with attitude, and they don't even know their attitude is getting in the way. And you have to tell people, say, look, you know, uh, have you thought about how this comes across? Um, let's, how does this come across? And just talk, you know, dialogue. If you, first of all, before you can really help somebody, here's another tip. This is important. Before you really help somebody, you've got to win their heart. And they've got to believe that you are safe. I try to provide a safe environment for people to grow. If I'm going to help somebody, I'm, I'm not out threatening people. I don't want a threatening, you know, some people, they, some people have a, you know, some administrators have a gun and they, they're like this. <laughs> Everybody's got to have a gun in this job, but we keep ours locked up with about three or four keys on it and uh, we don't even get near it. We try never to get near it. Um, so, but people have to have, uh, before people grow usually, they've got to know that you really care about them and you're willing to invest some time in them. And I don't mind investing time in people, but you really can't, hard, it's hard to get around a bad attitude. If you don't get that dealt with, and if they can't see that hard issue, it's going to be hard for them to grow because a bad attitude just stands in the way of everything. All right, I don't know if that helps a little bit, but uh, okay. All right, I think it's time to start here, and I'm glad Elder Ratsara is here. We're just delighted. And uh, let's bow our heads, and we'll get started. Our Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. Uh, we pray that the Holy Spirit will be close to us today. Some of these are sensitive subjects. Father, I think about the fact that probably all of us in this room have been difficult for you to deal with. And I think about your patience with us, your long-suffering. And I pray that we might always have that kind of heart for the world around us. So I pray you'll bless everything that we do and say today and that heaven will be connected to here, that we'll be able to see the Savior and His goodness and His love. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Well, I'm excited about the topic, and Elder Saran, you're going to start us off. We're going to be talking about casting the vision. So here you go.
Have they, do they have you hooked up? Yes, they do. All right. Okay. Oh, good morning to all. Good morning. This is our last day um, of seminars, and uh, very happy to see all of you. And um, I believe that uh, the Lord has blessed us and is still blessing us. And we are very inspired by your enthusiasm and um, the participation that uh, we get uh, from you is just uh, of high level and we appreciate that so much. Okay, let's go back now to this um, casting division. It said, um, passion, mission, not position gives a leader the courage to fulfill his vision. We will go back a little bit into what we have studied yesterday about discovering the vision. We said yesterday that we as Christian leaders, we need not to create what? To create the vision. Of course you need the vision because if you don't have a vision, you need supervision. People who have vision, they don't need really supervision. Uh, the vision helps them to move forward and uh, even we, instead of pushing them to do something, um, sometimes said, oh, brother, slow down a little bit because of this vision. So vision is very important when it comes to leadership. Uh, it helps us to, to move. It helps us to, to see the future. But anyway, we as Christian leaders, we need not to create a vision for this organization. The owner of this organization has already created one. Because we are not the CEO. Actually, we are not the leader. We are under leaders. Um, when I was made division president, I prayed to the Lord, Lord, I just want you to be the president. Let me just be a servant, just to follow you. So, Lord, take over. This is your division. Just lead and show me the way. So, the vision, the owner of the organization has already created one. We are not the owner. Yes, this is our church. Uh, it is a way of saying it. But when it comes to the ownership, the one who created this church, the one who sustains this church, he has also the vision for this church. And as leaders in the church of God, it is our duty to discover this vision. We talked about that yesterday. That is very important um, to make sure that what we are doing is divine. Not human-made, but divine. So how to find this vision? That is the question that we have already addressed uh, partly yesterday, but we have not exhausted it because of time. Um, how to discover this vision? Okay, we said that the most important is our relationship with the one who has the vision. If we don't have this relationship, we will not discover it. Because once we have the relationship, we are able, in a way, partly to penetrate the mind of God. Uh, meaning, His will. So the first step is to be in tune with God. To be in His will. And that requires relationship and discipline to be close to God. That is our, our first duty as leaders in God's church. And that's why the apostles, when um, the day-to-day -day, uh, responsibility became very heavy, they said, no, look, uh, we need deacons because it seems that as leaders, we will not be able to continue 
to exercise, to, to have this close relationship. So I would like to devote more time in prayer and in studying the word of God. So that is the role of a leader. It is part. It is not just an appendix. It is not just uh, uh, something that you put there, the relationship. That is a thing. Relationship with, with God. So once we are in tune with God, God will reveal to us what is in his mind. It is just, just like friendship. You know, when, when you just know someone, um, not closely, you may share a few things, but when you are very close to him, you will share the deep things in his heart. And that is the way we relate to God as a leader in this church. To go deep. You know, like Abraham, when God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, God somehow said, no, I cannot just do this without telling my friend, Abraham, let me share with him. I don't want him to know it after. I better tell him what I'm planning to do. You see this close relationship between God and Abraham. That is a way to see the vision of God for us first. God has already planned for us. And that is a vision of God for us. We need to discover this vision. Once we have the vision, our personal, the personal vision, then we ask God to reveal to us his vision for his church. And we said already yesterday that a way to do that is to study the word of God. To study the spirit of prophecy. Mainly the prophecies about the people of God. Jesus did it. He studied the, New, the Old Testament. John the Baptist did it. And God revealed to them his vision. And that vision became their plan, their strategy. So let's study the word of God, the spirit of prophecy, and the prophecies, the end time events. Because those are the vision of God for this church. I have done that. I don't pretend that I've read them all, but I studied the prophecies about this church. What will happen? Uh, the visions of Ellen G. White about this church. One, for example, uh, she saw that um, um, people went out and giving Bible studies. You know, those... Those are plans for this church. The Lord has shown her ahead of time. So we need, as, as leaders, we need to change those into programs. And then I studied also the ifs in the spirit of prophecy and in the Bible. If the people of God do this, if, if those also are visions. He said, if... Meaning, we need to do those. Those are conditions, visions. And then thirdly, you ask God, you ask God to speak to you personally. You know, God still speaks to us. The, the thing is that the other denominations... Uh, they tend sometimes to go to the extreme. They said, well, God speaks to me, so uh, I don't need the word of God anymore because I have the fresh revelation today. So why do you want me to go, to go back to the one that was written 2,000 years ago? I have the one today. That is extreme view. But there is another extreme view. He said, you know, we just need to read the Bible. Don't expect God to speak to you. 
I have never read that in the Bible, that God will stop speaking to his children. Can you imagine? A father says, oh, from today, just read my letters. <laughs> just read my letters, the messages that I've sent you a few years back. Just to review those. That is a thing that I use to talk to you. So, if you want to communicate with me, go back to the letters. Uh, don't expect me to, to speak to you. No. We need both. We need the letters. You know, there are letters that you really want to keep. And uh, once in a while, and even many times, you, you go back to those messages and letters you want to read because they are so deep and very, very good. But you want also God, your parents, speak to you fresh. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to the vision... We should never rule, it, rule out that God can still speak to us. Let me relate to you. And this is for the glory of God. I told you that I was made a conference president. It was a field, we call it then, became a conference. I was, uh, I was made president of that big conference, half of the union, in the capital city of the country. Many professionals, and it was really an overwhelming assignment. But somehow, the Lord saw it fit that I should lead that conference. And I was only 32 years old. Amen. So I said, Lord, how am I going to do this? I am young don't have enough experience and this is a difficult conference to lead I said Lord I need I need your help and I don't want to start something you know I'm always afraid of misleading the church of God this is very dangerous thing to do Pretending that you have received the direction from the Lord, but it is only our own mind. So Lord, I please, I don't want to go into that. So one Sabbath, uh, after the divine service, I took my Bible and my writing pad. He said, today Lord, I just want to have the experience of Jacob. I would like you to speak to you, to reveal to me the vision, your vision and your plan, the plan you have for this conference. I don't want anything that is not so sure. I wanted to be sure, and especially I lacked experience, so I really needed that. So I went to a very solitary place. I said, Lord, today, I, I know that um, I cannot ask for this many times, but for this time, Lord, I really need, I need you to reveal to me your vision for this conference. And I will not let you go until you reveal it to me today. So I, I, I used, you know, the approach of Jacob. So I was sure that uh, that was not presumption. So I prayed. I really prayed. I agonized. said, Lord, save me. Rescue me. Help me. Can you show me? I know you still speak to your children. Can you speak to me today? Reveal to me. So I prayed, claiming the promises of God. I prayed for about two hours that afternoon, wrestling with God. And after two hours, it was just like something in my mind. Um, it was, my mind was just full of ideas. It was, it came like this and I took the pen and I wrote 12 pages, non-stop. 
12 pages non-stop without even thinking it was all there just writing and it was the plan that was sabbath afternoon and then it came monday morning i called them um, the treasurer and the secretary of the conference he said uh, friends gentlemen here we are have been elected uh, we need to plan so uh, let's plan of course uh, we need to start ourselves said okay um, this is a brainstorming um, session I did not tell them, you know. It is only now that I, I'm free to tell this, you know, something that uh, I was so reluctant to share. But I, after um, many years, I said, well, um, I think this, uh, we can share this for the glory of God. So I did not tell them what has happened. I did not want to intimidate them also. And I, I was not even sure what they would think about it. So... I just kept it. So, okay, ideas, please share. And after a while, I said, well, I have something here to share. <laughs> I shared also what I had, the 12 pages. I said, well, uh, here, I would like you to add, to subtract, to change. Um, this should be our plan. So this is something to think about. They looked at it, two of them. Those are experienced people. They looked at it. Actually, the secretary was about the age of my father. Said, a um, little bit low. I, I was young uh, to be his son. So I said, well, um, please comment. They looked at it spend about probably two or three minutes silent. It was a solemn moment. They looked at it. They looked at me. We felt the presence of God. And they said, look, this is the plan we want. This is the plan we want. I said, are you sure? said, yes, we have studied it, and this is what we want. said, okay, let's bring this to the executive committee of the conference. See the planning session. Then, that was a long time ago. They have another approach sometimes now. Um, so, went to the executive committee. We'd, I didn't reveal anything. I was so quiet about what has happened. They didn't know, even my two colleagues. I didn't share it with them. So I went to the executive committee. Said, well, this is just to start. But we would like this plan to be our plan. You want people to contribute. You can add, you can subtract, you can change. Please feel free. This is our plan. This is the executive committee. So let's plan together. They looked at it. Just a very few things. Well, we would like just to add here and there. And they said, this is the plan that we are going to, to follow for our conference. We voted it. And we promoted the plan. I tell you, we applied that plan and in no time for the glory of God that conference became the example throughout the division in many things and I cannot take credit for it it is from God I didn't create it I just prayed and um, asked God to reveal that vision. And then I was made union president again. 
and I did the same thing. And it, I, it was a, a conviction that I just need to adapt. I, you know, it is a little bit different at uh, the conference level to the union level. But 90% of it is just that vision given by the Lord. And then I was made division president. I said, Lord, here you and me again. You know, when you, are, when you are not the president, you are supporting the president. You, you don't want to take over or whatever. But once you are the president or the director, or, then you are responsible for what is going there. So, you know, because I was secretary three times, conference secretary, union secretary, division secretary, and president three times. Conference, union, president. So, um, once I, you know, it's, it's interesting to change roles, and that is a test for someone. You lead, and then you follow. Uh, when you are president, you lead. When you are secretary, you follow. And then you change again. So, but every time I am made president, I go back to that plan. Said, Lord, how this is your division. Just lead it. Like what you lead, like what you led the conference and the union. I'm just here, a servant. Just show me the way. I want to follow. I want to be sure that what I'm doing is according to your plan, not mine. And uh, we did the same thing. And use the same method. You don't impose. You don't use. You don't use. You say, are you okay? This is the vision. Nobody should touch this. So what we did was that we, we share it with, I share it with the my fellow officers, and then the officers of the unions, Elder Gallimo was there, when we still study about the plan, and so on, and they went to uh, the committees and the leaders, and we ask, we ask for their contribution, so that uh, we have the contribution of everybody, and that is the plan that we are using now. We call it Lift Up Christ. Tell the world five initiatives. Um, and the Lord is doing wonders. And there's no way that I can take credit because I know the source of this is God Himself. And I am fully assured that what I'm promoting now is from God. And I think that is the most important, to be sure that what you are doing is according to the will of God. And once you have that assurance, you, you have no problem. You should not worry about anything. That does not mean that everything will be smooth, there will be no problem, there will be no challenge, people will just accept it. No. The plan... The, of building of the wall of Jerusalem by Nehemiah. Was it from God? Yes. yes. From God. Nehemiah prayed. Actually, almost I, I used actually the method of Nehemiah to discover the vision. I prayed and then uh, God revealed. And the same thing with Nehemiah. He prayed and God told him, okay, by the way, you are the one. You are the one to do that. You have this burden. You are the one. You want this build, this wall to be rebuilt. You are the one. So it was from God. But what has happened? Was it easy? Difficult. But that is the way it is. But he was sure. When he faced those, those people who opposed him, the difficulties and Keeping the momentum, we talked about it yesterday. When he faced, because some of the people, oh, this is too hard. You read in the book of Nehemiah, how can we do this? There's no way. When he faced the challenges, he was so convinced that what he did was according to the will of God. And he became unstoppable. When you are sure that God is with you, then 
you become unstoppable. People may stop you. Circumstance may try, but you keep on moving because you know that God is with you. And that is the vision. You may, how, how do you do this practically now? I, I just want to, uh, to, to put it uh, practical at the local church level, for example, because many of us here, we have leadership position in local churches and, and maybe conference and unions and so on. Probably what you can do is to set aside time. Time to pray, time to study the word of God, just to read the mind of God. And God will reveal to you how you are going to lead that youth program, that youth department, that um, uh, personal ministry department, how God will reveal to you. And you write it down. Of course, you can read books to help you. Uh, God is not against. That is the difference between us and the charismatic movement. For us, uh, we, we believe also that the other sources are needed. Even Ellen White used those. So it's not a sin to, to study uh, leadership principle. We can use, but we need to make sure that they are baptized. Those principles. Some of them are really worldly, so we need to give Bible studies to some of the principles and, <laughs> and uh, call for a baptism, and then we can apply them. <laughs> you cannot just apply whatever we read, and that's why it's a danger. When you read something, you say, yeah, this is good, let me apply this. Let's make sure that they are baptized before we apply them. They must be converted into the word of um, the, the church. Then we can apply. So we can use those. We pray and read and put the two together and get some advice uh, from people that you can trust. And uh, uh, have meetings uh, with people and challenge, uh, challenge them to critique uh, your, your plan to say that, what do you think about this? Uh, please help me out. Well, uh, can you give me? So that is the vision. Okay. Um, probably we have, uh, you would like to ask maybe one or two questions on that before we talk about the casting of the vision. How do we do uh, to cast the vision? For people to receive it, to own the vision, to own the plan. Because, you know, if the vision just stays with us, then uh, it, it, it does not really, it does not help. So, one or two questions. Yes. Okay, the question is, for the sake of the recording, the question is that uh, how can we find the balance between our conviction that this is the, the vision that we need to, um, to have for this organization and also allowing people to contribute or uh, even to change or alter. What, is, uh, what do we need to do uh, to keep the balance there? One thing is sure. Once we are assured that the vision is from God. We believe that the one who started the work will continue. So we need to be sure. We should not be worried. Uh, let it be. We, we need to take that risk because we, we, cannot, uh, we cannot stand uh, in front of the group or our team and say, look, I have received this and this is what we are going to do. Um, uh, probably that will not help uh, to, uh, to build the team. It is always good to strike the balance. But definitely, when you see that there is maybe one or two individuals that they are really uh, they are in to destroy the plan, 
not just to help or to improve here and there, but they are against the plan and uh, the spirit is not right, uh, very negative, then as a leader, you cannot tolerate that uh, because uh, you see that uh, it is not for the building of the kingdom of God. But if our attitude is more of asking for a contribution, people like that. They will contribute. And you know, um, God reveals the vision, but God also asks for contribution. Because we don't have the monopoly of God's revelation. Other people also, God also speaks to them. And that is important as, uh, as leaders in the church. The mere fact that we are president or director, that does not mean that we have the monopoly of all ideas or all of the Holy Spirit or the, the revelation. No. We are there to lead. But we lead with a team. So uh, we just need to strike the balance there. Last question. Yes. When you talk about people who um, are destroying your vision. See, in our church, um, I'm the youth leader, but most people really don't want me there. And there are elders above me who do not, who are trying their hardest to just to kind of bring us as the youth down. How do you deal with those people? Because I can't, I am not above them. They are above me. How do I sort of kind of bring them into this vision and kind of get them excited? Because they don't want youth doing anything but song service and, and um, doing children's story. That's all they want us there. And so we had Youth Sabbath uh, two weeks ago where we actually um, did the entire church service. And it made some people very happy and other people very, very angry. How do we sort of bring them? Okay. Um, can you summarize that for me? <laughs> You know, the, the mark of a good leader is he knows when to pass it off. <laughs> it's a really good question. and I'm, Maybe you can, uh, you can summarize for, for the sake of the recording. Yes. The question. Uh, she, she's asking, what happens when you're in a situation where you have a leadership role, but you have people above you uh, in the local church that are not responding or maybe actually being uh, obstacles and maybe feel threatened? Uh, the first thing I start asking myself the question is, is why? Why are they reacting the way they're reacting? And then I ask my own self is, okay, did I process this good? Did I process it well? Um, and I think that, that those are two very, very important questions. First of all, it makes me examine my own self and my own methodology. Process is huge. Um, it is huge. I think if you get with your young people and you lay some plans and then you maybe bring an elder in that you know is sympathetic or at least neutral and say, look, we've made these, we're thinking about these plans. Would you, would you give us some counsel? And then once you've got that, then begin to expand it. Maybe get the rest of the elders say, this is what we'd like to do. Get their blessing. It's very hard for them to say, we don't want you to do anything. The other thing is I would... I would, uh, if I've got a lot of hostility, I would focus not on high-profile things. I would focus on lower-profile things that really get stuff done. For instance, what are you doing with Sabbath afternoon? Uh, what are they doing with Bible studies? What are they doing with ministries? And then when they give you a chance to report, people say, Whoa, is that what's happening with our young? Isn't that wonderful? And what that does, it builds credibility. It builds your influence, and the influence then becomes power to move to the next spot. That helps or not, but process is huge. And I always ask myself, do I have a good process here? And you talked about a lot about process, but you notice what he did. He took his inner circle, then he expanded it, and then he expanded it. Okay. Um, yes, we have about a few minutes to do this, and then... Uh, we will proceed into the other uh, portion of this. So, uh, vision is important. When we have this vision, um, of course, we, we need to have uh, proper planning. Uh, you know all of that. But I just want to talk about the casting of the vision. That is a huge 
um, huge topic, but I just want to summarize uh, how, what do you do uh, to sell a vision or a plan? And this is also a paradigm shift. You see, sometimes we start well, and then we forget how we, we started it. Meaning, we got the vision from God, and we try to promote it without God. So, throughout the process, we should continue to wrestle with God. Don't say that, well, we have a plan now, so I, I can't promote this. And then reduce the time to pray and to wrestle um, uh, as if we said, okay, it is just to discover the vision that I need to pray hard. Now I have it, I can run with it without God. So the first um, method, and this is divine method, is to pray again for people to be receptive. It is just like evangelistic campaign. You pray for the hearts of people to be receptive. The same thing in the church. You pray for people to receive the plan, for them to see light. So you spend time praying, asking God to soften the heart of people. Your colleagues, uh, church members, you pray a lot for that. Secondly, start with personal work. Meaning, don't start to talk about it first. You see Nehemiah, the method of Nehemiah, he started with a small group to promote the plan. So, don't start to preach or talk a lot about it Sabbath morning. And then start a call. No, that won't work. You do the grand work first. Talk to people. He said, okay, I have, we have this plan here. What do you think about this? Uh, can you help me uh, contribute? So go and talk. Uh, you have done already. Uh, once you have done the grand work, then start to promote it during Sabbath morning or Sabbath afternoon, and they will see result. Bring people with you, and be open. You see, that is the spirit. Be open to suggestion. Actually invite suggestions. Uh, invite people to uh, critique your plan. Don't wait for people to do it without your invitation. You know, a insecure leader, they, they don't want to be uh, evaluated. They don't want, if they have an idea, they don't want people to uh, evaluate that idea. Uh, they feel that, oh, I am the leader here. How come people question this idea? No, it should be the opposite. You invite them. He said, I have this idea. I know this is not perfect. I really want your input. Please. Uh, tell me, what is something that I, we need to improve on this one? You invite people to do that. And you take what they say very seriously. You may not accept everything, but whatever is good, even if it is 10% of an idea, take that 10% and put it there. And you take also from this one, from this group, and people will buy into it. And one thing is enthusiasm. If you go there, you know, I have this plan. I think it is good. I don't know if it will work. But uh, somehow it is good. Who is going to follow your plan? But if you are enthusiastic, uh, one before even you speak, they will read your, what is in your eyes. And uh, they say, yeah, he's really possessed by this, in quotes, uh, by this idea. Enthusiasm. You know, it's very hard to resist enthusiasm. 
be enthusiastic about it. And people see that uh, you believe in it. If you don't believe in your plan, who is going to believe in it? Enthusiasm. And use people who are also enthusiastic. Don't expect that the entire church will buy into it once and for all. No. It is not like that. You start with those who are already enthusiastic. You spot them. You may have 10 people said, okay, let's do this. And they are enthusiastic about the plan. And as Elder Galimo said, let them report. Said, this is what we have done. The Lord is good. Uh, he, the Lord has blessed us. And this is the result that we got. And you know, you cannot debate success. People cannot say, oh, it didn't happen. When, you, uh, when for example, they saw that two or three people were already baptized, and you, you bring them and ask them to testify. Who is going to say that, no, no, this one was, is not baptized? They attended probably the baptism. Nobody can debate that. And that is the best way to promote things. Result. Result will speak. Sometimes we just talk, 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 no result. And we expect people to follow us. No, start with this, a small group. Those enthusiastic and get the first result. And use that result to encourage the bigger group to do things. I just want to add a little illustration of that. I won't tell you what church, but it was a church that I was actually surprised. We had a group from GYC last year that went back to that church. And they were so enthusiastic and so excited. And they went to work in that church. And I was at that church not long ago. And they were telling me, said, you can't believe the difference these young people have made in our church. Uh, that's power. Yeah. Let's do. Let's start with those who are ready. Don't spend time lamenting. You know, sometimes we want, want to write another book of lamentations. One, one is enough. <laughs> don't write another one. One is enough. So don't lament <laughs> every time. Oh, you know, this thing does not work. And spend a lot of time lamenting. One book of lamentation is enough. Write other books. Um, so, start with those who are ready. Probably a small group, but it will work. So, I just want to add one little thing to that. There's an old poem that says, Don't stop to stone the devil's dogs. Don't stop to stone the devil's dogs. You just keep on moving. Um, and if you just get at yourself, you, 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 you have to have a good antenna to say, okay, is that detraction over there, um, is that criticism valid? You want to deal with valid criticisms. But you've already invited people and in, rejoiced in people's contribution to your plan. I used to do the same thing. I'd take my elders and I'd say, all right, is this plan, what does this look like? But let me tell you, I initiated the plan. I didn't wait... We, we went through a period, and are still kind of going through it, where we have ministers going into churches saying, looking at us, well, you know, it's not my church. I, you know, I, I'm going to be gone in, in, uh, in about five or six years. You know, you're already a lame duck when you say that. You're already a lame duck status. So now, so since it's your church, um, you just tell me what you want me to do. Well, you know, some people are sitting there that are real sharp, and they're saying, for what the reason we hire you for? Um, at the same time, the opposite end of that is to go in and say, okay, I've got it all, guys. Now you, this is what you're going to do. Now, now the, the right way is you are the leader. You better plead and pray and wrestle with God and come up with a plan based on the Bible, the spirit of prophecy, and then you take that to your leadership and say, now look, listen, and he gave you the plan while I go, let's talk about this. Is there stuff here that we can change? What do you think? Talk to me. 
and you're enthusiastic about that point, but you're inviting change and that and, and you're appreciating. And when you appreciate a new contribution, you know, I like that contribution, that's going to help this plan. But then somebody gives you one that you know is not going to help. So well, let's think about that. Um, I got, I got to think about how that's going to fit with all of this, you know, and, and nobody else is jumping on that bandwagon. So you can just go on down the road. Okay. Thank you very much. So um, this is really good, and it is good to have people start with start small, and it will get bigger and bigger, and the Lord. Thank you. Yes, the Lord will the Lord will show us. So I I said again, we start with prayer, continue with prayer, finish with prayer, in the process. Invite people uh, to contribute, but we need to make sure that um, the, the, the main content will remain, because that is what the Lord has. Anyway, um, yesterday I talked about uh, listening to God, listening to God, uh, finding time to listen to God. I think you are aware that there is a movement um, somehow that tries to to borrow the oriental um, method and call it spirituality, kind of emptying your mind um, and then invite uh, God to talk. That is not the kind that we as Adventists in the Bible that we are doing when we say meditate. When you say um, listen to the voice of God. You don't empty your mind. Actually you fill your mind with the promises of God. With the word of God. And listen to God through his word. And through the voice commenting on those promises. Uh, you see the difference. I, I, I just wanted to be clear so that uh, we know, uh, you know what we need to do as uh, God's people. Because you know it is very subtle. Uh, the, uh, the devil is trying to use good things uh, to infiltrate. Um, and change it and call it spirituality. I, I just wanted to, to clarify that. Very important. Okay, um, we have a few minutes. I will let uh, Elder Galimo to, to continue. Well, I'll just take you through a few slides here real quick, and then, uh, Elder sorry, you can come back. Uh, just a, a few thoughts here. Vision is everything for a leader. It is absolutely indispensable. I don't care whether you're leading a local youth group, whether you're an elder in a church, or whatever, your pastor, whether you're the division president. Uh, you've got to have it. Paints the target. It sparks and fuels the fire within. It draws him forward. And if you don't have a vision, you're traveling in circles. Uh, and I think every youth group ought to have a vision. What, do we want, what does God want us to do with this youth group here? Uh, we've already talked about Christian leaders living by revelation. Wasn't that good? I, that is a paradigm shift because what you have happening in many churches today is that people are sitting around saying, okay, we've got to cast the vision. And so everybody's sitting around saying, okay, what, what's your vision of this church? And what's your vision? I tell you, that it doesn't matter what your vision is. It really matters what God's vision is. And you really uh, helped us with that. Just, just uh, fantastic. Um, let me just go through just a little bit more here. Uh, um, Look at number, number two. Only when his vision becomes our passion will be able to really lead. You know, a lot of leaders lose their fire. They lose their effectiveness because they lose their enthusiasm for God's vision. Uh, I see churches, I've seen whole churches do this where they say, you know, well, you know, Jesus hasn't come. And, uh, you know, there's been a long delay. And, uh, you know, we really got to take care of our folk here. And so what we have is an inward turning. 
So they lose the vision. They lose the passion for the vision. First they lose the passion for the vision. Then they lose the vision. And then they want to bring in ministers who will simply minister to them and take care of them and hold their hand and, uh, you know, while we all die. And, uh, and, they, and they lose what God can do. I, I think that when you lose the passion for the vision, then you'll lose the vision, and then you'll lose your ability to carry out that vision. And then it becomes something totally, and it gets sick. It gets real sick. In fact, a lot of the entertainment, worldly entertainment that has come into the church by all kinds of sources, lots of leaks in the wall, all that entertainment has come in because people have lost the passion for the vision. Is Jesus coming again? That's going to, as sure as I'm standing here, it's going to happen. If we ever lose the passion for that, we lose our identity. Thank you, Israel Ramos, for your opening address. You lose what you exist for. No Seventh-day Adventist church can stay Seventh-day Adventist in the long run if it loses its passion for preparing a people for the coming of Jesus. That is our vision. It is our vision. Um, let me go down. Vision draws on conversion revelation. Uh, Elder Watts has done a wonderful job with that. Vision is far-reaching. It goes beyond anyone, uh, what any one person can accomplish. A real vision adds value to people's lives. Does the Adventist church add value to people's lives? Can you tell me some ways it adds value to people's lives? I'll tell you, the first thing it adds to people's lives, it adds hope. Jesus is coming again. This world is not the end. Does that add value to people's lives, to have hope? Can't you get up happy when you have hope? When you know that hope is not going to be disappointed? It's fantastic. Uh, do we add vision? Do we add value to people's uh, lives with our uh, understanding of the state of the dead, that people are simply sleeping and not all that other stuff? I mean, just go down. How about our health messages? Does that add value to people's lives? I mean, just right on down the road, it just adds... How about the Sabbath? Does Sabbath add value to people's lives? Just think of the value that's been added to all of our lives by, uh, by all of these things. So real vision adds value to people's lives. Vision is far-reaching. And he goes, let me add, say this. What I love about the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the Southern Africa Indian Ocean Division larger than Eldoret Sara? He'll be the first to tell you. The church and its mission is far bigger than any one of us. We just all have the privilege of participating in it. A vision re in inspires resources. People will get resources when people have a legitimate, powerful vision. Money will follow. I've seen it over and over again. Money will follow vision. Now, I'm going I'm to embarrass him a little bit. I wish he had time to, take, time to tell you his five initiatives. One of those five, uh, the first one, of course, is a real prayer life for his people, which is just fantastic. Uh, the second one is training his members to share their faith. The third one is uh, doing a public evangelism. Um, the fourth one is helping all of his members become good stewards. And the fifth one is building churches and resources. Part of that vision is, well, tell us, you want me to tell or you want to tell? He doesn't want to brag on himself. Come on, come on, up here. Let me, let me do this. So you blame it on me. You blame it on me. Um, to build a thousand churches in your division is a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Yes. But what, what's happened? What kind of resources now are following the vision? You see, we have two kinds of resources when it comes to the building of the kingdom of God. The visible ones and the invisible one. There's a statement in the spirit of prophecy on that. And uh, the invisible one is bigger than the visible one. Uh, our problem is that we focus on the visible. And sometimes when you see lack of resources, we are paralyzed. But when you say lack of resources, that means only that lack of visible resources, but the invisible ones we have not even tapped. So this is what we did um, 
when it comes to building the churches, uh, two of our countries, they were really ravaged by the war. By war for 35, uh, 35 years, 30 years, that is Angola and Mozambique. There was the, the war of liberation and then the, the civil war. Uh, and uh, as you can imagine, um, the, it was really true, this saying, war does not decide who is right, but what is left. And uh, the infrastructure was destroyed, and many and people, uh, just imagine 35 years or 30 years of war, um, you just you have to run away for your life. You could not really go to school and so on. So we solicited um, the help, asking God to provide. Of course, start with what we have. That is God's method. Don't start with what we don't have. What is in your hand? So we encourage people to do what they can, even after the war. And then, knowing that the whole church, uh, this church is a worldwide family, then some of our people also can help. And we are very grateful that some of the people here, uh, through organizations like Maranatha and so on, they, they have accepted to build and many many churches so we should not be discouraged when we see the visible resources what we need is the vision once we have the vision this number five is powerful vision inspires resources because once people know once they believe in the vision, they will help you out. So, the most important is not the resources, but the vision. The vision. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at www.audioverse.org and at www.hopevideo.com.